Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the day before Thanksgiving. Wow, it's already here? It's already here. I feel like the year just started. Yeah, but we'll talk about Thanksgiving tomorrow. Okay. Hey, happy birthday, Lucas Trinidad. Lucas Trinidad. Happy birthday. 12 years old. That's amazing. And he's playing guitar. I just saw some pictures. uh, Shredded the gnar on the guitar. He'll be on our worship team before too long. He will. Yeah. He'll be the next Chris Tomlin. Chris Tomlin. Phil Wickham. Yeah. Well, he's playing the electric, so I think think he's doing more lead stuff. Oh, okay. The riffs and the fills, you know? The Phils. The Phils. Them like, Phils. But not not, like not the Philly Wickham. No. No. No, he's doing the cool stuff. You know, he, may, he might be doing some John Mayer type stuff. Some okay. Neon. Phil Collins, maybe. Yeah, I was never patient enough to learn all that stuff. For me, it was hard. Rhythm and strumming and, you know, bar chords, things like that. Yep. I get that. It's hard. It's hard in the fingers. Ever since I broke my pinky, like my pinky is not even straight anymore. So yeah. I can't even put my pinky straight. It's hard. Otherwise. Otherwise, I would sound just like John Mayer. You'd be on stage. In every way possible. In the biggest venues. Madison Square Garden. Just killing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, happy birthday, Lucas. We hope this is your best year yet. And that you use those gifts to the glory of God, man. Yep. Amen on that. I know that's your parents' plan in prayer as well. That's right. So, well, let's uh, jump in and uh, talk about Ezekiel 27 and 28. Only two chapters a day. Only two chapters today. Okay. Easy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Chapter 27. Uh, chapter 27 of Ezekiel, uh, the the prophecy, the lament against Tyre continues here. And uh, what's what's new? What's what's notable about chapter 27? I, I think here's the, the point here that I took away at least is Tyre was a, a big player on the world scene. And yet Tyre's status uh, on the world's scene was no match for the sovereignty of God. Uh, the things that they chose to take refuge in and to identify themselves by and to find their strength in uh, were, were really no, again, no match for God's sovereignty when God decided he was going to act in judgment. And when he did, uh, they had no leg to stand on. Uh, there's some uh, imagery here because Tyre was known for their uh, their seafaring wherein the judgment is compared to the judgment of a ship and uh, and that's uh, verse 34 you are wrecked by the seas in the depths of the waters there's some irony there because the seas are the very uh, resource that that's brought them yeah, yeah brought them their their wealth and their strength and here God says you're going to be undone by the very thing that you've put your trust in and that's a common theme um, in scripture so often what we choose to trust in is the very thing that can prove to be our undoing as scripture will often depict the as leaning on a spider's web for support uh, that that you think it's going to hold you up and and then it turns out to be a spider's web and, and nobody's going to be held up by a spider's web it's it's just going to collapse under you the only thing that that is a, a sure foundation for us and this is a good reminder for us too even individually uh, is that we need to put our trust and our confidence and our hope 100 percent in the lord uh, and in nowhere else uh, because anything else is going to be a house of cards. Chapter 28, then, uh, we get into judgment against the Prince of Tyre. And this is a, an interesting text. Just the Prince of Tyre? Pastor there it PJ? is, right? Yeah, because there's the question, is this 
the human ruler of Tyre? Or, or is it more than a man? Or is it something more? Right. Is this Satan? Uh, Give us the definitive answer now. Yes. It is Satan? Sort of. Oh. It's both. Oh. Yeah. Do you want me to set you up again? Punt. <laughs> Is it the king attire or is it Satan? Yes, PJ? Okay. yes, it is. Yes, yeah. Um, no, it's it, people think because of the description, especially of the pride here, and we're going to see this again later on in the book, um, that this is uh, a reference to um, the, the Satan to uh, to his fall, uh, maybe potentially, or it could simply be a reference to the the king. Of, of Tyre, although the language, particularly in the second half there, uh, by later on, that's what I meant, not another chapter, but here, uh, but uh, the language in the second half here really uh, does seem to apply to Satan more than it does the king of Tyre when it's talking about Eden and being created and being perfect and being uh, the signet of perfection there, a, anointed a guardian cherub, that's an angelic creature here. It does seem like there's a demonic influence, and we've talked about it before, I think, uh, on, the, on the podcast, that there can be demonic influences behind the nations and behind foreign rulers and, and kings in the world. Yeah, and, and I think the, the the challenge with this particular text is because it seems so lofty and exalted for a human person, it just it just feels like, oh, really? The king of Tyre, this is him? Uh, but even though you're, you're saying it as a punt, I, I think there is something really compelling about saying, well— even though the king of Tyre is a mere man, and this description does talk about him, I believe, um, it could be that the power behind the power is the dark power, that is the, the devil himself. So, yes, uh, it's true. It may be something of a punt, but I think I think you're onto something. Because I was just looking here, the garden, uh, the garden imagery is not only applied to the king of Tyre. Um, there, there's more than that. And, and granted, there's, there's, there's a surrounding verbiage that kind of ties into it, but I... Yeah, I don't think I don't think that we're meant to say this is the devil. I think we're meant to say this is the king of Tyre, who happens to have a lot of similarities to another well-known evil ruler in the Bible, which is the devil. Right. Uh, although this is where we get much of our understanding of the fall of Satan is from passages like this one. Um, the 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 pride in the heart of Satan rising up, claiming to be like God, wanting to be like God, and being and being thrown out. But yeah, I don't think we can be too, to your point, I don't think we can be too um, strong on either side there and say dogmatic, it's yeah. only this or only that. Yeah, dogmatic. Thank you. Um, I think it, it is, uh, yeah, a both and there. And uh, it's a good reminder to us, even as we look at the events of the world, that this is, uh, I mean, Paul makes it clear just for us as individual believers, right? Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the pr- powers that are at work in this present darkness. I mean, we are engaged in spiritual warfare on a daily basis. Now, Satan is not omnipresent, meaning that he is not everywhere at all times like God is. And so he can only be one particular place at any one given time. So I don't think any of us are the top dog and top target of Satan himself, but he certainly has his legions and his demons that are at his disposal. And we are engaged in spiritual warfare more than we realize it. But Satan is active somewhere. Right. I mean, our enemy is, is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He is active right now as you're listening to this podcast, doing something on the world scene. And, uh, and certainly on the geopolitical sphere, I think there's there's a lot of room to see Satan's activity there. Right. And there's a limited number of demons, too. So perhaps you may not be afflicted by a demon right now. Maybe it's, it's your own flesh. Uh, right. Sometimes we see a demon behind every bush and, and behind every temptation. And perhaps it's your own flesh, like like James said not too long ago. Uh, but, but a couple of quick notes here exegetically as you're looking at... Uh, Chapter 28, verse 12, just to make point out the obvious here, uh, son of man raised a lamentation over the king of Tyre. So let's 
that we're going to take that at face value. Right. Um, verse 13, that you were in the Eden, in Eden, the garden of God, perhaps he, he was in a place, Tyre of plentiful resources, had access to, uh, to water and to, into foliage and whatever else, every precious stone was recovering. He had access to all this rich material and resources. And, and therefore it's not, unfounded it's very feasible to look at this as just a, as a man and who also possesses qualities that seem to suggest that the devil was behind this work yeah yeah that's helpful there is future hope in the end of the chapter here for israel um the contrast here i think is set up you've got tyre which is not looking at a, a hopeful future for them with this judgment that's being uh, decreed over against them and sidon there towards the end sidon was another nation um another phoenician nation there and uh, they are decreed judgment against them as well in the the end of the chapter. But then Israel, by contrast, does have this future. Israel is going to be gathered. They're going to dwell in their own land. They're going to dwell securely in that land. They're going to build houses, plant vineyards. So this is yet another reminder that as God judges the nations, there's a distinction, there's a separateness, there's a difference about Israel because there will still be a future for Israel that they are hoping in, that they're still hoping in today. And again, as this is playing a, a, a large role on all of our news feeds right now. As you look at what's going on in Israel, the reason why all of this matters and the reason why we should say, look, can't we all just get along? That can't be our mindset is because we believe in a future for Israel. And so when you have a, a nation and a people group and a terrorist organization at, at, at worst saying we're after the obliteration of the people of God, the, the people of Israel, then we've got to, as the church, stand up and throw a flag on the plane and say, we can't support that. We're not going to get behind that because there's a future for them because of passages like this one where God is p- promising that and that has not yet taken place. Which gives a lot of suspicion to the call for ceasefire when when one of those <laughs> one of those combatants is certainly not going to do that. Right. right. It's almost like saying, "Hey, just uh, and they've j- made that just point. die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> stop, stop shooting and just die and be okay with that. Yeah, I think there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, one of the leaders of, of Hamas just recently came out and said, "If I had an opportunity to do it again, I'd do it again." Yeah, the the attacks, and so yeah, it's 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 crazy, it's insane. But we don't want to turn into a political talk show either. No, so we, don't. we want to trust in the, the Lord. Bible. But the Bible does impact how we look at world events, it sure does. and that's one way that it does. We mentioned that uh, there's a limited number of demons, and sometimes it's our flesh. Well, James in our New Testament reading in chapter four is going to talk about worldliness, which is part of just that, our, our flesh. And what does our flesh look like when it begins to rear its ugly head in our lives? Uh, we get what he starts with at the very beginning, which is this divisiveness, these quarrels, these fights. Uh, he says, what is causing this? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? And there's this self-centeredness uh, that is the opposite of unity that we're called to. There's, there's a self-seeking that is the opposite of the Philippians 2 humility that we find in Christ that is uh, causing this division and it's seeing other people have things that we don't have and coveting it's wanting uh, satisfaction ourselves and uh, in wanting the other people to, to suffer if need be in order that we can be satisfied He's saying this is the problem and he says that that in so doing this that you are making yourself an enemy of god because you are making yourself a friend of the world mm. Um, and what a, a terrifying concept that is when he says, uh, he says, you adulterous people, verse four, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity, hostility um, with God? Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Uh, this is a, a, a troubling and frightful text for sure. Uh, but then he goes on to, I think, discuss and, and talk about 
what repentance from these things can and should look like. Submit to God, therefore. Verse 7, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then he talks about being wretched in mourning. And, and I think what he's talking about there is over our sinfulness, over our worldliness, and leaving that behind and humbling ourselves instead of being prideful and quarrelsome so that we can uh, be right with God in that context. Yeah, I love James 4 because it is a biblical counselor's paradise. Yep. Like there's so much in here that you could say, go study this, go memorize this, go take 10 applications from this. There, there's so much here. Uh, but because you so, you already spoke so well on the, the first part, let me let me just jump down to verses 13 to the end then. Um, one of the things I love about James is that he's he's super practical. He is kind of a brass tacks kind of guy. In fact, James was is often called the New Testament Proverbs. Because they're pithy and he's got things to say that are just helpful and it's like, okay, I can use this right away. One of the things I love about this particular section is that he he makes it so brass tacks. It's like, hey, don't. <laughs> um, okay, verse 14. Hey, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring for you. Uh, so he's talking about making plans and having a business venture. We're going to invest here. We're going to build there. We're going to do this other thing. And he says, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, though. You have no idea. What does tomorrow look like for you? He says, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and we'll do this or that. And he says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Uh, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. I think the point here for all of us, uh, kind of riffing on the, the, the theme of humility, is humbly recognizing that your life is, is so fragile and vulnerable. It, that sense is often removed from us. Because we live in such a prosperous time, we're in the city of Prosper recording this, and there's so much about our lives that just feel so insulated from danger and risk. And yet, the reality is, our, our fragile, vulnerable, misty life, if I can be so cute here, is always subject to whatever. We have no idea. So therefore, we should realize that life is a gift. It's a, it's a mist and a vapor. It's not going to last forever. Therefore, you should be humble and let every day be the gift that God intends. Make plans for the future. Absolutely. You know, put money in the 401k, save for the 529. Do the things that you think are wise and prudent. But uh, unlike Tyre, don't put your trust in those things. Don't, don't think of those things as being uh, impervious to any potential risk uh, that, are, that life typically brings. So I, I've run into and in I think they're well-meaning, but you know, you'll, you'll make a comment like, Hey, I'll see you tomorrow. And the person that you're talking to goes, Lord willing. <laughs> and it's kind of like that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Jesus juke. Right. The Jesus juke. Do, is, is that necessary? Or is this is, we're not supposed to be legalistic about this per se, but more of having the right posture and mindset about it. Right. Sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess, you know, assuming the best in, in people, it's, right. it's a helpful reminder and, and they want, to remind themselves as well as us, like, hey, yeah, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. F- fantastic. I think there is, it's the heart. It's the internal person. It's the awareness that life is fragile and vulnerable. I, I guess, I don't know the person's heart who says that. I just, I, I feel that, and I don't necessarily need the reminder, but I'm not opposed to them either. Right. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's a good, it's holding up the mirror of God's word to our hearts, right? Yeah. When somebody says that, because it's like, okay, whoa, I, I probably do need to check myself. Am I boasting? in what I don't know of, or is this, do I have the right posture in this? And I am saying, yeah, in my mind, I'm in my heart, in my posture is to say, no, yeah, Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow. I think a lot of people just, <laughs> can we just be, let's just be honest here. Most people probably just don't appreciate when it feels like they've been Jesus duped. Right. And, and I think that's, that's what we're trying to say. Don't do that, but do do the thing of one anothering. Right. Um, and, and sometimes that, that line is hard to see. 
Yeah. By the way, you may be out there going, what in the world is a Jesus juke? A Jesus <laughs> juke is like this. Pastor Rod, who is the greatest person that you've ever met? Uh, Kristen Gomez. No, it's Jesus. Oh, okay. You should have said Jesus you're, first. You're right. Thank right? you. Thank, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like, okay, we, we know the, we know the, the answer. It's, it's obvious, but, but you're going to throw it out there. And then it's like, okay, but, oh, you mean aside from Jesus? Okay, well then. <laughs> That's why sometimes you circumvent it by like, okay, apart from Jesus, right. apart from the Bible. <laughs> right. Right. So. Yeah, some people Jesus juke in, in good-heartedly, but other people do it as a flex. Yeah, that's true. So, hey, Lord willing, <laughs> we're going to catch you guys tomorrow. We're going to end every podcast that we know. Thanksgiving, tomorrow, Lord willing. We'll be thankful for that. We'll have turkey. Hey, uh, turkey trot tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah. yeah. Be there. Be there. Or be square. Or be square. Yep. Or be much more round, I guess. That's probably the problem. Not, not the squareness. <laughs> we'll catch you guys tomorrow. See you then. Lord willing. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.